I do think it's really important for people to be clear headed about what is the grant you're applying for and what does um, what what amount of work both on the front end and we'll get to the the after end. Um, mm-hmm. it, is it worth it? Um, you certainly don't want a situation where you know you're spending um, you know limited staff time, two days of work applying for a grant that's you know five hundred dollars. You're listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast, brought to you by KevKayat.com. Kev helps nonprofit leaders deliver more impact faster and easier, so they can be mission accomplished in 40 hours a week or less. For more information, visit KevKayat.com. Because good causes deserve better results. Now... Here is the host of Nonprofit Problem Solver, Kev Kayat. Hello, Kev Kayat here. Welcome to Nonprofit Problem Solver, brought to you by Yachtme, the virtual events platform that's 100% free to nonprofits, and Pod Pro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Thanks for tuning in. Just to be clear, you are actually the Nonprofit Problem Solver. As host, my job is to extract from our guests the practical, tactical expertise that you can put straight into action. This is a recording of a live event hosted on Yachtme. Did I mention it's 100% free to nonprofits? Find out more at y.yacht.me. That's w-h-y.y-o-t.me. Join me on these live events every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Register at yacht.me or nonprofitproblemsolver.com. You can find me, Kev Kayat, at kevkayat.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. Join the Nonprofit Problem Solver Club on Clubhouse and the Nonprofit Problem Solver Facebook group to get all the latest practical, tactical advice on being the best nonprofit entrepreneur you can be. And check out my coaching programs at nonprofitentrepreneur.com. Where are you with grants? Have you been spending hours and hours filling out forms, shooting them off, and hoping for the best? Maybe you've been successful with small grants, and now you need to step up your game. Grants expert Rachel Sachs walks me through the strategic thinking nonprofits need to do before they even think about grants. Sort of like online dating. Sort of. And then there's the whole other piece about handling the grant well when you get it. Let's hear from Rachel about succeeding before, during, and after getting a grant. It's the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast here on the Yachtme platform. This is a virtual events platform, which is entirely free to nonprofits, which is just one of the reasons we've decided to use it for the podcast. It's uh, got a lot of features that make doing a podcast or any sort of event very easy. So what you're seeing now, uh, if you're watching live or watching the replay, is what we would call the main event mode. And then afterwards, we sort of recreate the tables that you would experience at a gala or gala, however you'd like to pronounce that, and um, and we call that mingle mode, or I do. And uh, so once this live session is complete, uh, we will uh, turn off the recording, and uh, Rachel and I will join you uh, backstage or or in the uh, in the tables uh, for a further conversation. If you'd like to stick around, in the meantime, feel free to throw comments in the chat, and we'll do our best to incorporate them into the conversation. So, welcome, Rachel. How are you? I am doing well. How are you, Kev? Um, I'm doing well, thank you. 
Um, and I've been uh, anticipating this topic for a long time because, uh, as you know, uh, throughout uh, any sort of social media uh, support forum for nonprofits or uh, any sort of discussion, I've been spending a lot of time on Clubhouse recently, mm. and uh, you don't go very long without hearing the word grants, do you? That's for sure. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the keys to success for grants. But before we do that, uh, uh, let me uh, uh, invite you, Rachel, to do a little uh, intro and background so everybody knows uh, how wonderful you are. Sure, sure. Thanks. So my background is actually in public health, which obviously has become highly relevant to everyone's lives um, this year. <laughs> uh, but um, I have a master's in public health and have been working in the health and human services um, portion of the nonprofit sector um, for about 15 years. Um, I, uh, you know, used to work in nonprofits where I got to like write a lot of grants, um, you know, as as a, a professional within nonprofits, um, sometimes writing grants for my own job, which I, I can empathize with those who do that. It's very stressful um, to you write mean, like finding you, your own salary. Yeah, that, you know, will yeah. fund your position. And then you always have yeah. that inkling of wonder what happens if this grant doesn't come through. Does that jeopardize my position? Um, so we don't want nonprofits to feel that way. Um, and certainly as a consultant now to nonprofits, um, I have the pleasure of helping coach nonprofits with their grants, um, you know, the whole grants life cycle, which I know we're going to get into, um, mm. really help them figure out, you know, who to apply to, how to apply, how to maintain their grants, and the whole thing, um, as well as helping with needs assessments and, and strategic planning. So, Right. And so where would people find you online? Uh, sure. And let us know about any sort of programs or training that you do or coaching or consulting. Yeah. So you can find me in my company, Leading Healthy Futures, online at leadinghealthyfutures.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, where I spend a lot of time. Um, and if you're interested in maybe working with me and learning a little bit more about how we can help your nonprofit kind of get to its ne next level of grants, if you're interested in what we chat about today, um, I do have an online self-directed course around grants um, called Grow Your Grants. And you can learn a little bit more about that at leadinghealthyfutures.com slash course. That's fantastic. Okay, well, uh, let's jump into it then. So uh, the keys to success with grants, um, and I know we've got a sort of before, during, and after sort of structure to, to how we're going to go through this, but but even sort of the before, before, yeah. <laughs> the keys to success with grants and knowing when a grant is appropriate. Uh, the yeah. number of folks I speak to who are at an early stage or um, maybe their nonprofit's been around for a while, but it's it's not sort of let's say seasoned or mature mm -hmm. uh, to a point where where they they are in a position to even begin to think of uh, of grants. Yeah, I mean, not every nonprofit is ready for grants. That's really the reality. Um, there there are certainly nonprofits. I mean. Number one, you you know, if you're a U.S.-based nonprofit, you would need to have 501c3 status. You need to actually be a nonprofit, um, and you need to do things. You need to have services and programs or initiatives or whatever it is that you're applying for grants for. Um, but it really is a slightly more advanced stage of development to be ready for grants. A lot of organizations think it's like the panacea. It's just like the solution to all of life's problems. And a lot of boards think that too, that they'll just run out and yeah. grab a few grants, but it, it is much easier to get your first, you know, big gift through a very um, engaged individual donor than it is to find that first 
um, fit in grants. So it's not necessarily the very first step for a nonprofit. Right. So for the kids following at home, that is major grants, uh, major gifts before grants, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, you want eventually to have a diversified funding pool. I'm sure you've talked yeah. to you know fundraiser fundraisers of all types, and uh, you want you want all of all of it in the mix. You don't want anything in one just one bucket. But if you want something quickly, um, and you you probably don't want grants, <laughs> right? So. It, so again, let's just lay it down in 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 clear terms. If you are if if you are waiting to get your five hundred one c three certification in the mail, <laughs> then uh, grants are really not on the cards. It's not yeah. as though you you get your um, designation and then start submitting grants and and all will be well. Uh, now, having said that, there are some small local grants that are available. Not all yeah. grants are created equal. So I don't absolutely. want to bring it to that it's, it's absolutely categorical. There are some easy to obtain, and I mean easy to obtain, 15 minutes, click in the right order with on, uh, online and submit some details, and maybe you'll get a few hundred dollars, maybe even a thousand dollars. But that's, you know, th th that's not really what we're talking about with grants, because that's not a that's not part of a grant strategy as such, is it? Right, no, and and really it's important to sort of scale um, the amount of effort to the amount of the grant. Um, it's not always one-to-one. -one. There are unfortunately many funders and, and there's some bad um, grant-making practices out there in the world, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but there are many funders who have very, very rigorous um, laborious requirements for like a $2,000 grant, which is very sad in my opinion, because it is not necessarily always worth a nonprofit's time um, in that circumstance. Um, and there are also grants that are very simple to apply for that are many, many, many fold that. Um, but I do think it's really important for people to be clear headed about what is the grant you're applying for and what does, um, what, what amount of work both on the front end and we'll get to the, the after end. Um, mm -hmm. it, is it worth it? Um, you certainly don't want a situation where, you know, you're spending, um, you know, limited staff time, two days of work applying for a grant that's, you know, $500. Right, right. So, okay. Uh, now let's, let's, let's walk through um, uh, the, the whole process of grants. Uh, and, and because you and I both have a, 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 a lot of experience in healthcare, let's, let's, Let's just make believe that we are a health related or or at least a human service nonprofit that covers okay. a lot of ground. I know um, would still apply the principles we're going to talk about to animal welfare or environmental or sure. arts and culture types nonprofits. But but in, in just in case we have to flesh out this example, um, we're going to try and make it a, a bit real. So um, with some sort of some sort of of, of uh, health service that we are uh, trying to uh, support in our community. Um, and we have just just formed, say, in the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. uh, any point at that? Uh, what what do I need to to have in place, or how can I advise my board or other people who are telling me to apply for grants, or I'm telling myself I should apply for grants? What do I need? At what point? What are these some of the indications that think I might actually be ready to to start thinking of that seriously? Well, I mean, the first thing is, of course, to make sure that you have um, really, really clear understanding of your programs and services so you know what you would be looking for in grants. Um, so I think it's really, really important, I think, um, of kind of your programs and services as really the center of the whole grants life cycle. Yeah, that's your core so, business. It, so yes. You need to, right, so you, 
So, so you can't apply for grants. And then we're talking again, substantial grants. Should we put a dollar figure on it? Are we yeah, talking I mean, about you know, anything say, that's 10K or more? It, yeah, it ranges so much for organizations. I, I have like a rule of thumb in my head that, you know, I, I wouldn't in general, again, putting super easy proactive grants or who knows what aside. Okay. But yeah. um, but in general, I would say um, under the 1% of your annual budget is probably too small for most organizations to be applying for, unless we're talking about like a hospital with millions of dollars of like reimbursement. Yeah. Then we're talking about like in your philanthropy bucket under one percent of your um, sort of like philanthropic revenue bucket, let's call it that. So okay. yeah, if you're an organization that um, you know has, you, you shouldn't be applying for grants of, um, in the like two thousand dollar range. If you're an organization that's seeking to have an annual budget of like five million dollars, right, right, right. Okay, but if we're talking about smaller organizations or new organizations, really. Thinking about yeah. developing a grant strategy, and again, I would include probably in probably like five thousand or ten thousand okay. would be a, f- a floor for a newer nonprofit. That again, there may be circumstances okay. where there's a twenty five hundred dollar grant that is worth it for some reason. Um, but in general, five to ten thousand would probably be sort of the lower end of what a, a smaller nonprofit would be looking for, and then obviously up upwards of fifty, a hundred, you know, into the into the. Uh, you know, six. Sky is the limit, right? Limit. Once you get good you're at this game, you're not ready for government grants. Right. Though, if you're the organizer. in other words, listen to the end. Listen to the rest of this <laughs> uh, of the podcast. Um, so, so um, the first thing you need to understand is that is that you have to have your programs and services in place and know what you need the money for. Yes. Rather than this is not a chicken and egg question. Right. Do I get the money and then do what they want me to do? Or you have to know what it is you are trying to do before you uh, can look for what would be an appropriate grant. Very uh, nice and, and that's really, you're looking for an appropriate partner before yeah. you're looking for a dollar figure. Is that it's right? It's all about the alignment and the match. And I know we're going to talk about that more, but yes, you need to have programs that um, not only you know what they are, you know what they do, but you have to have a really clear sort of operational understanding of what they are, because otherwise you're not going to be able to articulate that well in grants to the funder. So you want to really know, I like to think of the question words, you know, who, what, where, when, why, how, Mm -hmm. if you can answer all of those about your programs and services really clearly, like who is doing this program? Why are we the organization to do this program? Where does the program happen? When does the program happen? You know, if you have a very clear understanding of what your service delivery model is or what your, um, you know, um, what, what, what the thing you are seeking funding for is, and you can really describe it in those operational terms, then you know that you might be able to apply for a grant for it because you can bet that they're going to ask some questions and, that require that clarity. Right. And, and, in terms of that, so the, the programs and services, should I be thinking of um, a a grant to uh, continue or uh, expand, or do I want to broaden? Say, I want to do more for the people that I serve, or do I want to, you know, s- start seeing them earlier, start seeing them later? In other words, um, at what should point am I asking? What we're already for, doing, or should it be for doing something for new, newer more? stuff, or something adjacent? Um, You know, it's so interesting because that really depends on the funder and that's part of figuring out that funder alignment. There are funders out there who wish to only fund new programs, new services, an expansion or growth aspect. 
Um, and then there are ones that want to fund tried and true things. I would say, though, that no matter what you are proposing, it should be some sort of um, growth or expansion or improvement in some way. They need to know that the dollars are making things better, that they're right. not just, um, you know, it, it's not very compelling to say that the dollars are just going to like plug a hole in your budget. <laughs> um, right, right. So it's it's more compelling to articulate that how it's going to make things better, um, even if that just means we're going to be able to sustain this thing that otherwise we wouldn't be able to sustain, or we're going to be able to, you know, make this thing that we just started a little bit more sort of like robust, continuous, we won't you know, right. it doesn't so necessarily it doesn't have to be new, new. So, so it also doesn't have to be um, absolutely running smoothly, well-oiled machine. There could be some kinks in it. You're thinking, you yeah. know, we've, we've got it most of the way. We think, you know, we're getting really good feedback. We're getting some results. We think these results actually should be better and could be better, but we need some some additional investment to make that happen. And here's how we're going to test that and try and try and make that work yes. a bit better. Here's what we've got in, in mind. That's, that's a perfectly legitimate uh, approach to make to a very much. Program. And some, some funders will in fact want that some funders will be seeking for organizations who say, you know, I already do, you know, diabetes self-management education, but I want to pilot a new thing where it's, you know, led by, um, people from within the community that I'm going to train. So I want funding for this training, or I want to incorporate um, a food pantry to it that gives, you know, that provides um, nutritious food. So, you know, I want funding for that aspect of this program. I want to pilot it in a different location. You know, all of those are the kinds of things that many funders like, but it's really about finding out what do the funders you're applying to like? Um, what what right. makes them tick? What is What is their mission? But still, isn't isn't it from the matching perspective, um, knowing what it is that you want to do and looking at who is sympathetic yes. or, or has that oh, appetite, yes. rather than um, the other way, you, know, you don't want to say like, oh, I've got a good relationship with this with this foundation or this this grant maker, so I know I'm going to apply. They've invited me to apply, but actually they're looking at this. And I'm not sure that's 100 percent in line with what I want to do, but. But if I if I know I submit a grant, I've got a good application, a good chance of succeeding. Should I do it anyway? And I think yeah. these are some of the judgments that that people uh, feel they need to make. Yeah, I mean, usually we kind of start from you know what are your programs and services, and then move on to um, kind of identifying the universe of potentially aligned funders and narrowing it into the funders that we think are well aligned and then eventually kind of building the relationships with them so that you can find out if what you want to do and what they would want you to do is a match and and really thinking of it as a two-way street and maybe having some other ideas for programs or expansion in your back pocket in case you are feeling from them like maybe it isn't a match maybe they would want you to do something a little bit different and so then you have some other ideas that you can sort of bat around with them and and um, figure out what's going to be the right one to apply to if you're lucky enough to actually have that dialogue. Right. Well, let, I want to take this sort of matchmaking uh, metaphor a step further. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I yeah. use that metaphor. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, what is what is the process for 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 filtering out uh, and looking for a match? You know, is 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 a grant speed dating or you know some <laughs> some other uh, some other some other format? And and how long does it take? What's a reasonable expect expectation uh for when you can feel like you are okay i've, I've found a partner 
mm-hmm. who I think is going to be sympathetic, and we're going to you know we're going to start really um, dating seriously now. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so we think of sort of the first phase of the grants life cycle as just kind of identifying those well-aligned prospects. So this is a little bit more of like um, kind of the the online dating phase or, you know, something where you're just sort of like looking at profiles of funders and sort of making Checking up the, the pro- right, right. Yeah, swiping just left, of, swiping right. Yeah, exactly. Just sort of the lay of the <laughs> land. This is not where you actually have been talking to them or really learning about them. So the identifying well-aligned prospects, um, just sort of the grant prospect research phase, we like to use, you know, um, one, uh, there are many different databases. We like to use foundation directory online, but using a database or some sort of list or source um, to kind of go through based on keywords, based on geography, based on, um, you know, the types of, the type of organization that you are Um, just kind of um, finding a list of potentially aligned funders based on these criteria. Also who funds the organizations that are similar to you. If you are, you know, a local community hospital, who's funding the other local community hospitals. If, you know, if you are some sort of, you know, um, animal welfare organization, um, who else is funding the other animal welfare organizations that are similar to you? So find kind of like a, a list of, um, which again, we we do this type of work with our clients and, and I'm always happy to speak with people about doing customized grant prospect research because it's an art and a science yeah. um, of sort of figuring out, you know, don't just search a term like health because you'll get thousands right. and thousands and thousands of results and you'll never be able to go through it, but you also don't want to have just like two results that come through. So get yourself a list um, through through this research. It's sort of like your, uh, your online dating list. And then... And, um, and by the way, so an interrupt, can, can yeah. people who um, want to do that themselves, yes. uh, they don't have the money perhaps, but they've got the time, would they would would they be able to access those resources say at their at their local public library or their local nonprofit community foundation might have some resources where would people go for yeah so so um certain things in some of these are free so some level of searching in things like foundation directory online are free um and there are subscriptions at higher levels but there are organizations as you've noted that have those subscriptions for you so some libraries um, sometimes there are organizations like um, Forefront in Chicago, formerly known as Donors Forum, um, is an organization that provides this, you know, resource. They have things that you can, you know, if you're a member, you can um, potentially, you know, use use that resource. Um, so there are potentially a lot of organizations in your community, local coalitions and things like that that may have a membership um, that, that, that you can use as, as one of their, uh, you okay. know, but you part, get your part of their You get your mm-hmm. Rub your hands together, and then yeah. what? Yeah, so you've got all these, um, you know, you've got to filter through them really quickly because hopefully you have actually a fairly long list. You know, we like to have several hundred um, on a list, and then you have to cull really quickly, a la your swiping left and right, kind right. of making those very quick <laughs> judgments like, oh, smoker, no, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so you got to... Um, White Sox quick. fan, no. Yeah, no, never. Oh, um, gotcha. You have to quickly uh, swipe through, as it were, with 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 these funders to sort of say, you know, we we don't want, um, oh, you know, oh, they don't they disallow hospitals and we're a community hospital. That's a no, you know, or they they don't allow research and that's one of the things that we do. That's a no. So just quickly, quickly, based on their face page, kind of judging. It's okay to judge in this scenario because right. 
Don't waste your time writing well, a grant because people the, won't the, fund the, you. The, the, the foundations themselves want those database screens to be up to date and clear about what yeah. they want and don't want. Otherwise, they get a lot of unsolicited material that's inappropriate and costly for them to handle. They only want the stuff that they want, right? 100%. So they're, they're incentivized to give you the information you need to decide if they're worth your time or not. Exactly right. It, it doesn't make any sense for you to be applying to funders who will never fund you and have tried to communicate that to you. So um, it, do, it does not make sense to put energy into those funders. So really trying to cull quickly. And then, you know, those those face pages on, on these databases are very valuable. But as you noted, they're only as valuable as up to date as, as they are up to date. So one of the important things is to, once you kind of have your shortened list, you actually then want to move on to looking at websites in 990s, get a little bit more information um, from them. I'm not sure what the dating equivalent is this. Maybe maybe this is some sort of Facebook stalking or something. I'm yeah, not sure. Facebook stalking. Um, okay. So or the website or something. I'm not sure. But you want to look at the websites of the funders because if they have one, you will have more information and you'll have more recent information. So for example, if they've got some new you know, COVID relief fund or, you know, anti-racism um, stream or something that maybe has not made it onto these other um, platforms because this is a new thing that they developed in, you know, 2020 or in 2021. Yeah. Um, that's really when when you can find out some of those things or like we're, we're paused right now on giving out grants because we're doing a new strategic plan or something like that. So that there's... This is, you know, I'm going to use a technical term that doesn't is completely inappropriate for the filtering and swiping that we've just talked about. <laughs> but people shouldn't be too over concerned about false negatives. In other words, someone who they've disregarded because of what it says on the on the on this uh, database page, but that um, and and worry that maybe they've 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 uh, dismissed somebody too who quickly. could really be a match. They yeah. should, they shouldn't really do, worry too much about that, right? No, okay. especially because if you um, if you do this sort of in a structured way as we do, you'll keep a list of all the foundations you considered and said no and why. Um, I mean, you'll quickly keep that list, but you'll you'll have somewhere the list of ones that you you disregarded. So you can always go back to it later if there comes yeah. a circumstance where your board member says. Rachel, why did you not consider X, Y, or Z nonprofit? I just met them at some, some event or other. Um, you can go back and say, hmm, it looked like they actually don't fund things in our geography. That's why I disregarded it. Or you can say, oh, maybe I shouldn't have disregarded it now that I took a closer look. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll bring them back into the mix. So it's, um, yeah, but so yes. It's not, a, it's more, not a filtering set in stone. By no, and, and I would really recommend people do this kind of, structured grant prospect research every few years, you know, maybe every three years, every five years, depending on sort of what you're seeking in terms of how many new funders you're trying to find. But it's a good thing to refresh every now and again, because you may find a funder you yeah. disregarded because they were not um, a match for you, either because they've changed or because you have new programs and you've changed. Maybe they are a match in the future. So yeah, don't this is the time to be fast going through things and not the time yeah. to worry about false negatives. Okay. That, that was useful. Thank you. So you, the, the, when you go to the websites, there are a couple of things I'm guessing that you want to be looking at, yes. which is, do they have a current funding program that's available and open? And can I get some indication about how hard it is 
how much time it's going to take, what information do I need to, to, to apply. Yeah. But even before that, you really want to look at their mission and their grant making priorities. Oh, yes. The, yes yeah. That. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's Jumping the gun. Like, Sorry. Yeah. And, and, and obviously any exclusions, you're always looking for exclusions because the first moment you see an exclusion that applies to your organization, you're out of there, right? If they, if they right. do not fund your organization, you can close the website right away. Um, so, so take the exclusion seriously. Yeah. Take, the, I mean, there are always like bubble cases or something where you might need clarity from an organization. But if it says we don't fund hospitals, don't, you know, don't think that you're going to negotiate with them around that. We're the exception is right. not, a, is not a good strategy. No, it is not. Um, so, but, but really, um, I mean, even though it kind of goes without saying that the mission is something you should be looking for uh, of the funder, I think that that's something that people sometimes neglect is that it's really about the mission of the funder. You know, we think of it in nonprofits as about our mission. And of course, they care about our missions, but they care about our missions insofar as they align with the funder's mission. The funder's mission is to give out money that aligns with its mission and its grant making priorities. So, you know, if you are looking at that and you're thinking, I'm not sure if there's a way for me to describe my work in a way that aligns with that. You know, that should give you pause. So is it, would a way to do that be to read their mission statement, for example, and say, yes, I see our organization in that. Our, the program I would like to fund yes. them to fund fits that. It is, yeah. under, it is underneath that mission. And if it's not, then if it's not then it, right exactly if it's not it's not a fit um Maybe and, mission so right, you know that. mission grant making priorities exclusions you're looking at all of that and yes you are looking for what is their process what is their deadline um you know do they have you know are there specific um uh, funding opportunities, you know, that are, you know, this, we do our arts funding only in April and we do our, um, you know, our health funding only in June. Um, you're looking for those things on the website. And if they don't have a website or if you just want supplemental information, you can look at the 990s for these um, funders. So that's their IRS documents. And you can learn some of this information, not in as user-friendly of a way, but you can find mm-hmm. some of this information for organizations that don't, um, that don't have websites um, in their 990, like who they funded in the past. Right. But they'll, t- I mean, you'll get your, you'll get some alignment stuff, but you won't get any of the um, processes or timescales or anything from a 990. That would they, they probably not. They do right. actually, some of them have um, as an attachment to it. Some of them have um, their uh, grant making um, like process, um, yeah. but that yeah. is typically not all that helpful um, in the 990. It's not as detailed yeah. usually. Right. Um, okay. So just to summarize your, what you're really looking for is um, you, the mission, uh, alignment test. Uh, if that's a go, then you do the exclusion test. If you're not excluded, then you look, do they have any current programs that would fit your the, the time scale um, and any other information about uh, uh, programs or funding that they that they that they've got uh, that, that could be current. And actually who's the, who they funded in the past and the amounts, because that will also really help you. Um, All right understand okay. you know if you see that they've funded the same organizations year after year for five thousand dollars but you're looking for a grant of fifty thousand dollars or you are very very dissimilar from the organizations you see that they're funding you know that gives you an inclination that maybe this isn't a fit so yeah that would be the last thing that i would look for and you're still trying to do this pretty quickly you're still trying yeah. to 
go through all of this on a website in like, you know, five minutes. So we and don't so want- do you want to be, do you also want to be looking at uh, if there's a named uh, team or project manager or program manager who's yeah. looking after that? And yeah. then is that someone that you sort of, then, then you do the stalking on LinkedIn and think, okay, maybe, maybe I'll do a connection request and see if I can, you know, spark off a conversation here. Yeah, and or, just send, more. or just send an email. If there's an email address, program officers at foundations really want to hear from you. That is their job. Their job is to um, learn about grantees and prospective grantees and to give out money. So you absolutely want to talk to them if you can. And so reaching out to whoever is listed is completely appropriate. Um, I actually coach around that in, in my program, just sort of how to reach out to funders and, and things like that. But you do want to reach out to them and if possible, have an introductory call because that's where you really get, you know, this is like your first date, you know, this is where you kind of assess like, okay, is this really a fit? Um, but you want to make sure you've done the groundwork beforehand so that you're not asking them questions that are plainly obvious, you know, on their website, or you're not, um, you know, asking things or, or falling into exclusions that you could have caught in five minutes of research. Right, right, right. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And the, um, uh, I'm just, I'm just thinking, forgetting the question I was going to ask you about, um, the, the re reaching out, um, It'll, it'll come to me. Anyway, carry on. So you've Yeah, I was going to say, but, and a call with funder is really just like a um, introductory dialogue where you want to learn about each other. So you, you do want to be really well versed in your programs and kind of have an idea of what you're pitching um, if you're pitching a program to them. Um, but it's, it's really about also listening and hearing from them, you know, are they hearing, are, are they perceiving your programs as in alignment with their mission? Are they you know, kind of sharing back to you, you know, no, we're not really doing things in direct health services right now, or no, we're not really doing things in, you know, that neighborhood right now, are, you know, just sort of being prepared to listen really carefully and respond appropriately. Sometimes the response is, oh, well, actually, we have a different program that does that. Sometimes right. the response might be that they have misunderstood what you're saying and you can very, very politely um, clarify like, oh, I, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear that this is a direct service program. Um, sometimes it's about um, making sure that they understand what your program is. And, and then also sometimes it's just making sure to phrase your programs and services in a way that, again, aligns with their mission. So I've given an example before. Let's say you've got some sort of like um, mental health group program for teen girls. Um, you know, you could apply to a funder whose mission is to empower women and girls. And then you sort of want to say, oh, we've got this great program that empowers women and girls um, through this group therapy program. But if you're applying to a funder that funds mental health services, you can still apply potentially for the same program, but you would probably lead with, we've got this great group therapy program that provides access to mental health services for teen girls you know you're kind of frame within their program. mission not your own exactly and again it's it's the same program it does meet both funders needs in that situation you're not you're not um misportraying it but it's just really making that connection crystal clear so that they're not doing the guesswork in their head of trying to figure out like is this going to fit with our funding priorities am i going to be able to fund it is it going to make sense for us yeah, I remember the question I was thinking of, which re, um, relates to understanding more about the funders. That would you recommend, if possible, that they join um, if they feel this funder is a is is a potential fit? 
that they uh, sign up to a newsletter or or any sort of resources like that, or will they be bombarded by uh, useless information? That the nonprofits sign up for the funders newsletter? Yeah. Yes, that is a good idea. Um, I, inter- I I thought you were saying, should the funder sign up for the... Uh, no, 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 should the nonprofit better. think, okay, um, I, I don't know whether they've got anything current now, and I don't see necessarily mm-hmm. a name, but if I sign up for this newsletter, I will yes. get, they will tell me what's up, what's coming uh, in, in the near future, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, again, this is sort of at your own tolerance level. If you're looking at 50 different funders, you might not want to be on 50 different um, newsletters. But I do think for the funders that you think are going to be a really good fit, but there's nothing live right now, that's a great strategy. As is, again, those connection requests, reaching out on LinkedIn, or, you know, if there are virtual or in-person networking events, trying to introduce yourself to people is a great fit. I actually, you know, when looking at the websites, I wouldn't get too um, hung up on whether or not there's a live opportunity to apply. I know sometimes people do, um, but this is a long-term strategy, right? So if there's not a live opportunity to apply because their next funding cycle opens at the beginning of 2022, that just means that they're probably not your most urgent call to make, right? That you might have some things some other funders you want to attend to first, but it, it shouldn't take them off your list because you're still looking for funding next year and the year after that. Right. Right. So, so the whole, the whole perspective one should be taking as with finding other partners and other it's elements long game. Aspects of our <laughs> lives. <laughs> yeah. Is you're playing the long game. This is, you're, you're not, you're not sort of hoping for love at first sight. Right. 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 And I mean, again, the, you know, as with dating, all different things can happen. So sometimes yeah. you happen across a funder, they love you, you love them, and you get a grant very, very quickly. Sometimes it's like, you know, like years of sort of like crossing paths in different things before there actually is the right sort of timing of program and the funder's needs and all of that. So it can happen in a variety of different ways for different funders. Some you're going to have a long relationship with, some you're going to have a short relationship with. Um, but it is about building relationships. And 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 that, I think it's an interesting uh, perspective is that when it shifts from the, I'm looking at the website, I don't really know anybody here, I don't, I'm just learning about this organization, to uh, one where there is that sort of ongoing relationship is, is not uh, universalizing what happens with one foundation as though that's the rule for everybody. Right. So if right. someone says... Yeah, we sort of don't look. We you know we don't like those sorts of projects, or we only do this, or we 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 actually have already funded one organization like yours in that neighborhood, so we're not going to do another one. That doesn't mean all funders think that they they work on that sort of quota exactly principle. Right. Right? Everybody has their own appetite or way of thinking about how they uh, uh, distribute their funds. Yes. And you'll, you'll learn some of that from a website. You'll learn some of that from talking to them, but uh, it, it is very variable across funders. So you do really want to be aware of what, what is important to that funder. For example, there will be some that um, do not want to fund the same organization every year. Some even have mandatory, you know, after three years, we, we, make you take a year off because they want to make sure that they're funding other organizations. There are others that will fund the same organizations year after year after year. You know, there are some that really want you to propose something new. Um, There are others that want to make sure that you have evidence that you've 
um, piloted this, that you know what you're doing. So there's just a ton of variability and it's really important to understand what that funder would wish. Right. Okay. So um, what's next then? You've got, you get a short list of, of, of people after the websites, you feel like, okay, these are um, interesting opportunities, but they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily live, as you said. Right. Right. So you're going to want to, first of all, try to talk to them. And obviously some of them, you may be successful at having that call. Some, maybe you aren't able to have that call. Um, but um, based on the conversations you have or whether or not you're able to have a conversation, you're going to decide um, based on that and deadlines, you know, which ones to be applying for um, when, because you won't be able to apply. If you're, again, if you're lucky enough to develop um, a list, you know, we like to end our grant prospect research projects, maybe with like 20 really well-aligned funders that you have calls with and maybe like, you know, 15, 18 of those you might end up applying to maybe, maybe not quite as many, um, mm -hmm. out of those, you know, you think about a nonprofit's schedule, a lot of nonprofits are not even going to be able to apply to that many in a year, let alone in a couple months. Right. So, um, you know, you, you want to sort of prioritize what are the applications that you're going to work on. And then, um, when you really have a sense, these are what we're applying for, you kind of move into that application phase. And, and then, so when you prioritize, um, do you, I've seen some people do a, uh, a combination of thing and, and I, some people try and do this in a spreadsheet and other people just do it, you know, sort of in their minds. finger in the wind sort of thing. It's sort of like, okay, what is the likelihood of success and how much is it? So, you know, mm -hmm. should I be going for mm -hmm. smaller ones with less, you know, with, with greater likelihood or, you know, a couple of larger, larger ones, perhaps, with that are, you know, that are, that are a harder one. You're like, how, how do they manage that? And is yeah. there, what other factors do you think of when you're trying to prioritize? So I definitely think that dollar amount and alignment are probably the biggest ones because um, a very, very well aligned, like large grant, obviously you want to put effort into that. Um, and, and again, alignment includes this, like I've had a call with the funder and the funder said, yes. And they've confirmed the alignment. Yeah. Yeah, right? we want you, to, you apply. Want them this to say, program oh, yeah, sounds, you are aligned. This program sounds right up our alley. We would love for you to apply at our next cycle. You know, that then you should be applying. Um, and so, so alignment and high dollar figure would definitely be part of that. Certainly, um, the easier the submission, the more that you should do it. Um, in terms of, you know, there, there's less of a, there's less of a reason to not do a grant submission that is straightforward that you can use some of your kind of like core materials that you've written about before, um, which mm -hmm. is one thing I recommend is sort of having a repository of your core grant materials, make your life a little bit easier. You'll still want to customize for every single one, but at least you're starting from something really solid that is going to address the different questions. Um, right. So those would be some of the main ones, certainly, you know, how soon it's coming up um, something that is coming up too soon, like, you talk to the funder and it turns out it's due on Friday, like that may be too soon for you to actually um, apply for. But, you know, something that is, let's say, in the next two to six months, you would probably want to prioritize things that are coming up in the next, you know, two to six months and have high figure amounts, high, high dollar amounts, and also are super well aligned, um, especially if the applications are manageable. Right. Okay. Um, and obviously most nonprofits have some sort of internal process, 
uh, for proving how they do that and how they actually undertake uh, grants. But that's a that's that's something not everybody thinks about beforehand. Yeah, uh, and for a mad scramble at the end, like who has to approve this and is it good enough and have I done the budget properly and all these other sorts of questions. That is such an important step of the application process that I think people forget about is the internal approval process. And that I actually have that in my list of steps in um, writing a grant. You know, it's like read the eligibility and the instructions again and again um, and all the different steps in terms of writing and revisions. But uh, internal approval is really important. And you should think about that at the beginning because, you know, hopefully if this is a one page LOI, you know, there's not a complicated internal approval process for this. We don't want people um, for, for, a, for a one page letter to a funder having to like go to the executive director and the board and everybody over that. Um, that seems like a lot. But on the other hand, there are applications that might require things like that. If you're doing large multi-year grants, federal grants, you know, you're definitely going to want to have some sort of process by which um, the board even might be involved. And you also want to see if the funder uh, requires anything quirky. There are sometimes funders that require a letter that has a board member signature or the CEO needs to include a letter of something or other. So there are times where the approval process isn't just a internal formality because you don't want your junior grant writer submitting things without anybody knowing about it, um, right. where it's where it's actually the funder requires certain things. So just make sure you know what is required beforehand because otherwise you're going to end up the day before the grant like struggling to find you know that board member that has authorization to sign something so in order to uh affect this properly you, you need a you need a writing plan you know a, a basically a grant project plan mm -hmm. um which you know may just be a few lines in excel with some timetables you know yeah. just, but that you know that i'm going to need access to this person uh you know at, at some point three weeks from now or whatever mm -hmm. it is uh, and, and communicate that to those people. So they know that they are um, involved in this project. Exactly. And a, a couple other people you're always going to want to have involved in grant projects, um, assuming that you, the person I'm talking to is the development team. Um, the other people you would want are program and finance. You always want program and finance involved. So, you know, it, the, one of the as worst early things, as possible. Yeah, one of the worst things is to apply for something and then you get awarded it and the program people are like, what is this? I can't actually do this project. Um, or the finance people say, what, what is this? Like this do these dollar amounts have no relationship to reality. Right. You thought we could get a computer for $5? Yeah. So yeah, they, you know, the, and, and, and ultimately to get it done properly anyway, uh, you 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 want your other team members, whether they are volunteers, working board, yeah. or you know, however you know, involved because they all need to be behind what you are pitching. Exactly. Uh, right. in, in in order to make it to work, because uh, you know, the first thing that sure happens enough. when you get the money is you know you should be ready to go when the check comes in, not not going uh oh, how do we make this happen? You right. Know, there shouldn't be no mystery there, right? I right. guess we're moving into the next phase of, of actually working on the grant now, right? When you get one. Yes. And when you get the grant, um, yes, you want to immediately, I mean, first celebrate, but celebrate with the whole team, inform everyone, make sure program and finance know about this because they're going to need to. Um, the finance team is going to need to be, you know, depositing the check and making sure that it's actually um, put towards the right line items and that it's recorded <laughs> appropriately so it's not a 
reporting nightmare. And to avoid other reporting nightmares, you also want to make sure in terms of all of your evaluation measures and all the things that you said you would be able to do, pro- the program people should know about this from the beginning because yeah. they should have been involved in the writing. But right. if for some reason they weren't or things have changed a lot or it's one of those grants that takes nine months to fund and nobody remembers what was in it, um, you need to talk to the program people immediately about what actually is in this grant? What are the expectations for the outcomes in it? Are there baseline measures that we need to start collecting like today because we need to do it before we implement the program? Or are there, um, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to find out that the um, program people are like, these are not things that our systems can track. So hopefully you've solved that again, before you submit the grant. Before you submit it, right. But if you haven't, the second best time to find out is immediately after being awarded so that you can at least um, kind of start the process of putting those into place um, or can say to the funder like, oh, we thought we were getting a new electronic medical record system that would allow us to track this. We didn't actually get that in the last year. So we're going to pivot this and and have a dialogue with the funder about how a couple of your measures are, are shifting. Right. Right. And then and then finance also needs to understand or your accounting or bookkeeping about what the uh, restrictions are on on the grants, because yes. it's not free money. It is you know, not. They, free cannot, money. You know, you've submitted a, bu- yeah, a budget and uh, there are limitations on what you can spend each dollar and penny on. And this is even if it's a um, general operations grant that doesn't have a lot of limitations, you still want to make sure that it's tracked in your in your financial reporting system, mm-hmm. like associated with that funder and that opportunity so that you would be able to say what it was spent on, even if it can be spent on anyone's salary, or even if it can be spent on, you know, facilities rent, um, even if the limitations are not that limiting, um, you still need to know what they were because they may ask you to report on that. Um, and so it's so important programmatically and fiscally to be able to actually know, did you do what you said you would? Did you spend the money the way you said you would? You know, can you report on that rather than just saying, well, we got $10,000 and we spent more than $10,000 last year. So I guess we spent it. That is not, that is not going to cut it. That's not not good. Right. It, yeah, it just went into the pot. Right. Um, So, so a lot of the problems in affecting a grant in, in other words, delivering on what you said you were going to deliver can actually be solved ahead of time if you involve the right people and and do the right thinking. Now, some people may not have uh, uh, received a grant before or received a grant mm-hmm. from this particular foundation uh, and not be familiar with uh, setting up a, a, a program. Um, but 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 word of warning: the the these issues we're talking about with programming and budgeting can all be solved ahead of time to yes. a certain extent. Um, and they shouldn't be surprises when the grant's awarded. Um, But if they are, um, you need to solve them ASAP. (laughs) Right, right. And if there, I mean, there are times when challenges arise over the course of the grant that are completely understandable or where, you know, things have to change for real reasons. I mean, just think of the last year or so. If you were someone who got funded at the beginning of 2020 to go do a bunch of really cool in-person programs over the course of 2020, that may not have happened. And none of your funders would have, like, they live in the same world we do. So they will not have been surprised if you come to them and say, you know, we have to change our in-person diabetes self-management program to virtual. 
because uh, because of covid you know or there there will be times where you know you thought it would only take you three months to hire a position that this would fund it took you six months and so you, maybe you need to shift some dollars around funders are are people they are understanding they don't want to take the money back because it's an administrative hassle for them so in general they will want to allow you to make um uh changes over the course of a grant if the changes are for good reasons. And if they're not necessarily like shifting the real true meaning of what you're doing with the grant, if you're still fulfilling their mission and their grant making priorities, they don't want you to move your diabetes um, grant money to like something completely unrelated, you know, to, to, to K through 12 arts programs, because they're, they're an organization that funds diabetes programs, right? But if it's like, oh, we needed to slightly shift it around because of this very real world situation nine times out of 10 99 out of 100 they're going to understand and it's just good to yeah. communicate that up front and early rather than waiting till the report comes around tell them that you use their money differently that's not cool right so in other words um they will be you can expect some flexibility and yeah. understanding around real world operational issues things outside of your control yeah. genuine surprises you know the, the what the realities of running a program what's not acceptable is um not being prepared right mishandling uh, to, to manage the grant and 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 secondly to not communicate as you problem solve through the year uh, and make adjustments and not and and rely only on a on a narrative report to uh right. communicate that <laughs> that should not be the first time they're finding out about you needing to switch around the, the use of the funds. It should not be in a written thing. You had no other communication with them. Um, so, so that is really a, a best practice. And again, you know, they, they, they want to be fulfilling their mission. So they're going to be generally supportive of it, but you know, you have to respect that the money was for something very specific. And so you can't just, you know, go use it for something else without checking with them first. Right. Okay. So it seems anything else in terms of how you manage it, or are we ready to move into the sort of how you report on it and the sort of, I guess you would call it after, but. Yeah, I think we're at reporting. And I, and I mean, really the, the key to reporting again is to have done a good job in administering the program. So <laughs> I know that sounds really, really simplistic, but um, you know, the, the best way to report and to win um, your second year of funding is to have actually followed through on your first year successfully and be able to articulate what you did, you know, the metrics that you promised in the grant originally, you can actually report on them. Whether you hit all of them or not, is it's more about actually being able to say why you did or didn't hit some. Um, if some fell short, again, that's the kind of thing that funders live in the real world. They want to learn from your experience. They want to maybe share struggles that you've had with other grantees, or maybe that's something that they want to use in order to um, change how they deliver their grants. If they realize mm -hmm. that nobody can successfully do something, they, they probably want to learn from you. So um, your, your reporting is not only your place to sort of shine, tell the funder like, hey, we did a super good job with year one, you should probably fund us for year two. But it is also an opportunity to provide you know, bigger lessons about the sector that you might know because you're on the ground and they're not, um, things that you might want them to share with other grantees or with the world. Um, so it is actually doing a good job with the reporting um, is actually a real win for, for nonprofits on every level. 
and and again, if you're communicating with your your audience all the way along, uh, that's a lot easier to do uh, in terms of uh, of completing it. You know that you're, uh, you know, you the person reading it at the other end understands what's going on because this mm-hmm. is news to them. This is really just capturing what they know has been going on all along. And, and, and really what you're doing is giving the relationship, the treating it like a genuine relationship. You know, you don't just sort of, you know, call somebody once a year with a Christmas card or something, you know, exactly. it's, it's, this is actually maintaining that dialogue all the way along because you want it to be fluid. You know, if your programs are, are working, they're not going to, be set in stone or or um not progress not evolve as you learn more about the people that you serve you might want to add this add that extend it here start earlier finish later work to another group take it to another community there's all these different things that you can yeah. do to, to grow your program and you want somebody who's going to be there with you because they they've sent some ownership in the struggle that's exactly right and and having that, having them as a real partner makes that year two or year three grant, uh, assuming they're a funder that does that, that much easier because then, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're being able to say to them, like, we're thinking that next year we're going to be able to, to grow to do this, yeah, or we're thinking that next year we want to launch a new bat. Um, again, you should always um, be proposing something newer, improved or better, even if it's basically still like it's the same program, but we want to become more efficient about X or it's the same program, but we thought that like, you know, we would have later hours on Wednesdays to make it more accessible. Um, Just being able to articulate, you know, we learned from the year, we learned from our partnership with you and we want to improve in year two. Um, it, It can be such a good conversation to have that follow up um, conversation, you know, that later on um, when you've already been funded and you're kind of doing that same kind of uh, relationship building call with the funder, but you're doing it as a grantee that's, yeah. that's seeking the next year. It can be really, you know, fulfilling. And, and I have had clients that have just built great relationships with funders where it becomes almost like depending on the foundation, almost like an individual donor, you know, where you have this kind of just like relationship where you can right. talk to them and say, Oh, we just really want you to know about this cool new thing that we're doing or this wonderful new hire. We'd love for you to attend this thing. If you're willing, you know, it becomes that kind of a relationship. And it's funny that you mentioned that because as, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking about how uh, having that level of relationship and dialogue with uh, a grant maker uh, spills over into the way you would engage individual donors uh, and, 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 and how having that solid relationship with the, with the grant maker, then let's say that fully funds that particular program. um, But it still allows you to reach out to individual donors and, and fund, you know, put money into next year's budget already or to, you know, to, to expand on it. And, And it's not, they're not one or the other. They can actually be funding the same thing. Absolutely. And I always think of kind of, funding as sort of like building a quilt, like you want to be asking each different sort of um, individual or, or foundation for sort of their own piece of it. If they're asked, if, if you're asking them for specific things, um, you sort of want to be asking them for their own specific piece of things so that, that it makes sense from your financial reporting standpoint that they're separate, but that they all contribute to one large quilt. So that at the end of the day, you know, you end up with the whole quilt and you're not, um, 
you're not sort of uh, just having like individual disconnected pieces or you got too many of the same piece. Right. But all, all, all in from beginning, um, reaching out for grants, uh, executing on the grants that you are successful with, reporting on them and maintaining that relationship. None of that is this opportunistic, spontaneous scramble of, um, you know, doing it for the, this is a, this is a reasoned, intentional, yes, slow burning, long game of how you uh, get sustainable funding for programs through grants. Yes, yes, it's it, it's very much a long game, and um, there are things that you can do all along the way. We didn't really have time to get into some of the, like developing core grant materials, but making sure you have all of sort of like your basic materials. I hate the term boilerplate, but I use it sometimes. Um, ter- you know, content. So 80, it's a eighty twenty, right? You have eighty percent of what you're going to put in is the same. Yes. You want to start that ec- with that expectation, then 20% is customized. Exactly. You have your attachments on file. I actually have um, a resource on my website about the top things you can do today to be, um, uh, you know, um, ready for grants tomorrow. So, you know, things that you can do when maybe you have a few minutes and you don't have a grant that's due, you know, tomorrow so that you aren't scrambling at the last second to find those attachments or to find out, you know, information from your program people. There are things that you can do and be really planful sort of like day in and day out to sort of make your whole grants program really run a lot more smoothly. But but realistically, like you were saying earlier around prioritizing those grants that are two to six months ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. realistically, getting that done, if you've identified someone and they've got a, a funding opportunity within that window, by the time they've accepted your application and they've processed it and maybe there's another round of information and maybe there's other steps to that process before they make an award. You're talking about next year's funding, right? You are always pretty much talking about next year's funding. Almost always. Yeah. Because even funders with short turnaround times, you know, if you're lucky and there's something due really soon and it's the kind of funder that gives you an answer in a few weeks or just like, you know, two or three months, you're still talking about potentially six months from, when you um, when you started like looking you know looking for funders, so you're really always thinking about funding for next year's budget. Um, oh, sorry, nearly <laughs> um, next yeah. year's budget, and and that's you know that's really the reality is that grants are not fast. They are not the uh, they're not your like immediately plug a, a hole in a in a, a hemorrhaging budget. Um, you can use other types of funding for that. But for grants, it's really more like slowly over time building up sort of like a base of, of funding um, because we're really already looking at next year. Right. Okay. That's, that's excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. We've run, uh, we've run a full hour. Um, so we're not going to break into uh, uh, mingle mode uh, today. We'll do that. I think you're going to need to have to come back another time and uh, flesh out some of these details um, but, uh, if you remind us before we close again, what you've got online, what your programs are and how yeah. people can reach out and find you. Absolutely. So I love to help organizations, not only with grants, but also needs assessments and strategic plans. You can learn more about that on my website, leadinghealthyfutures.com. And, um, we have some information specifically about our, um, online program, grow your grants, um, at leadinghealthyfutures.com slash course. Okay. That's fantastic. And, and people can get, uh, can oh, follow you, can you on LinkedIn as well. Yes. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Rachel Sachs. 
and um, I would be delighted to connect with you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending the last uh, hour with us. Uh, I've learned uh, learned some, uh, and I'm sure there's a, a lot of material for uh, people to address their own uh, grant strategy um, uh, and 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 put their put their perspectives in order, shall we say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thanks everyone for uh, listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast here on Yachtme, and thanks to Pod Pro Audio making professional podcasting easy. Uh, and we will see you next time on the Nonprofit Problem Solver. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver podcast. My guest today was Rachel Sachs, who you can find at leadinghealthyfutures.com and on LinkedIn. This podcast has been expertly produced by Glenn Munoz at PodPro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Go to podproaudio.com. You can join future conversations live by visiting nonprofitproblemsolver.com. Connect with Kev on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. For more information, visit kevkayat.com. Because good causes deserve better results.